Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I am joined in studio by Fred Jackson, news director for OneNewsNow.com. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Ed. And uh, also by uh, joined by Walker Wildman. Good morning, Walker. Good morning. Good to be on this Wednesday. Now, I just heard the spot here just before we came on here at the top of the hour. You got a new program uh, on uh, Saturdays, right? Tell us about it. That's right. Starting this Saturday, May 8th at 3 p.m. Central, I'll be hosting a show called AFA at the Core. And it'll take the place of, of my previous show, which was Exposing Washington, which originally aired at 2.30 Central. So uh, this will be 30 minutes later, beginning at 3 p.m. It'll be a full hour instead of just 30 minutes. And we'll talk about all the issues that uh, AFA focuses on with our core values, uh, whether it be uh, freedom of religion, whether it be uh, uh, the pro-life movement, all these different issues that we talk about here on AFR, we'll be talking about each weekend and I'll have a guest on each week uh, to focus on the issues of the day. So one hour long, starting at 3 p.m. Central this Saturday. All right. So in your opinion, Washington has been thoroughly exposed. <laughs> and now it's time to move to the core issues. That's right. And yeah. folks, we're going to work your core. See, this is kind of like an exercise program, too, Yeah, for your brain. Yeah, and you know, the, the one of the main reasons I wanted to shift the focus here is because uh, we will still talk, of course, about what's going on in Washington. It's almost unavoidable. But uh, across the country, there are, some, there are people fighting back against the encroaches against our freedom. And we want to highlight those people. We want to highlight those states, those governors, those mayors are fighting back and defending uh, the, the very values that built America. So that's what we're going to focus on on AFA at the core. All right. Look forward to that. And uh, folks, tune into that program and other great programming that is on American Family Radio 24-7, news and information that you can't get anywhere else. You may be able to get a few things here and there, but all in one place, it's hard to beat American Family Radio for the information from a Christian perspective that more and more people not only need but are waking up to that need because it's hard to get some of that news anywhere else. Right, Fred? Amen. All right, let's go. Amen. All right. Uh, well, I think anybody with an ounce of integrity would agree that we have a crisis on our southern border. Now, you might be excused because the mainstream media has stopped covering that story. Uh, they don't know what's going on, but it's ongoing. It's shameless, yes. the fact that they have just turned that information spigot off. Absolutely. But evidence to that crisis and that the crisis has now moved away from the southern border or is spreading from the southern border to other places. There was a story that broke late Friday afternoon last week that still isn't getting much coverage in the mainstream media. And it has to do with police in Houston, Texas, getting a tip that something was going on inside a residence, a house, I believe in the south side of Houston. To their credit, the New York Times has now worked that story, the Houston story, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to use the New York Times as a, as a source on this, but the New York Times story doesn't connect this story to the crisis at the border. That, it's like two separate things. 
So here's what happened. Police in Houston, Friday afternoon, they get a tip. Something's going on in this house. And what they did find out is that five men, here's the affidavit, here's the charge, five men who will appear in court today, all of them illegal aliens, holding now close to 100 people in this house. Against their will. Against their will. They are being held. This wasn't, so this wasn't a halfway house no. where illegals come across and they wait until they can leave. They're yes. being held hostage. They're being held hostage in this house until what I would call a ransom is paid. Now, people may say, Fred, where are you getting that? I'm going to go to the New York Times story. All right? Not a bastion of conservatism. Right. But here's what it says. According to an affidavit, the police received a 911 call on Friday from a woman who said her brother had been kidnapped. She said she had paid $11,000 in February. February comes after January when Joe Biden was uh, inaugurated as president. Right. Okay, So this follows, remember Joe Biden, he stopped the border uh, construction, border wall construction. Right. You know, we're open for business here, folks. All right, so in February, she says she pays $11,000 to human smugglers to bring her brother from Honduras to the United States. She was then told to drive from Dallas to a Walgreens in Houston to pay the smugglers an additional 6300 for his release. So now we're up to over $17,000, all right? While en route there, this woman testifies she received a call. Her brother was put on the line, and he repeatedly said, please help me. Then a man called the woman and told her that her brother would be killed unless she handed over the money. All right? She called the Houston police, and they used a geolocation data, and they were able to go to that house, and that's where the story goes from there. They found roughly 97 people. They say in the ages of 20 to 30, five of them were women, the rest were young men, and they were all in the country illegally. Now, this is a demonstration. This is one case that was brought to the police's attention by this woman who had paid all this money, and she says her brother was then being threatened with being killed. I, I mean, this this is absolutely horrific. So, so have the authorities? You may have already mentioned this. Have the authorities found out who is running this house? Is it the cartels? Yep. They got the well. They got these five guys. Okay. Uh, you have to believe she made this arrangement back in February, so somebody must have tipped her to who is in the business right. of smuggling people across the border, like human trafficking. Yes, that's yeah. exactly human. It. Human smugglers are not good people. No. All right, the, these aren't the, these aren't shoplifters, okay? These are these are individuals who traffic in human beings. The drug cartels, Walker, are a huge part of that. I don't know if these five guys are, but the drug cartels are into not only drugs; they're into prostitution, they're into guns, smuggling guns, and they're into smuggling people. Walker, it seems to me that the kind of people this woman was dealing with. Mm -hmm. Would have would have killed her brother. Yeah, these are these are bad folks. Yeah, and this this highlights the the dangers of Mexico. I mean, Mexico. Yeah, there's some resort towns in Mexico, but the, the majority of the country is corrupt. They have corrupt governmental officials, corrupt law enforcement. The cartels pretty much run Mexico for the most part, and that 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 shows like the the way the Biden administration is going soft on the border. 
is it's it puts America's national security at risk um, because it's one thing to have a country in the Middle East that that hates America or that has you know lawless lawlessness running rampant, but we have this on a border state. This is a border state, um, and it it spills over into Texas cities like we're seeing here. So uh, you can't you can't play games with Mexico with the cartels. You have to be tough. And Joe Biden's not being tough. Well, like well, I say, this is just one story. Well, and let me just let me just comment just quickly here. The the reason why, because we started off this this topic, speaking of the fact that the mainstream media, by and large, is not covering the Joe Biden catastrophe on the border. Hmm. Then we get this New York Times story that is dealing with this particular instance, but won't tie it to the Biden administration because. The media is covering right. for Joe Biden and his administration. They do not want to connect the dots here. Yeah. Now, and this is the thing. I just go back to it. This woman who apparently lives in Dallas made the connection with the smugglers in February. Right. All right. So, so she was, was she, is she legal? Yeah. She, is she in the country? As far as I know, she, okay. she is in the country legally. But she made this arrangement about three weeks after Joe Biden was inaugurated right. as president. Yeah. Now, you have to connect this to the border. Those 97 people just arrived there in the last three weeks. This has to be happening all the way across the country because we now know since Joe Biden became president, more than 600,000 people have streamed across the border without any papers. They're here yeah. illegally. This is going on and on and on. This... This is probably just the tip of the iceberg. Well, and remember, th this gets into immigration and customs enforcement, uh, and and the Biden administration basically wants to gut ICE. Mm -hmm. Right. They want to weaken ICE, make them more or less effective. And this is the same party that's against law enforcement, the same party that wants to defund law enforcement. And what what I hope voters and the public understands, especially heading into twenty twenty two, is that when you when you undermine law enforcement. You ultimately put everyone's life in danger. You ultimately endanger entire communities. I mean, these Democrat-run cities are the highest highest crime rate cities in the country. Yeah. Right. And these are people. These are neighborhood. These are minority neighborhoods for the most part mm -hmm. that are being crime-ridden. Yeah. Well, and let me just say one other thing too here uh, quickly, and that is that whenever you have human trafficking, the inst the examples that you find like this one where people go, I didn't know. I didn't know that there were five young girls in the house on our street being sexually trafficked. It's always the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I mean, that is the way yeah. human trafficking is. You find these horror stories, but that is just what you, that is just the example you see, not the thousands of people who are being trafficked behind the scenes. One other thing, let's just get into a little bit of prediction here. You toy around as a country with these drug cartels and gangs like MS-13. You toy around with them, and you let them come in and set up shop in some of these big cities. They're going to, like Houston, and and these groups, these cartels, they're, they're not just in border states. They're everywhere, putting mm -hmm. their tentacles out. It will be like rooting out organized crime in the old days of the mafia. You'll have dead judges, dead cops. These people don't mess around. They're depraved individuals, and if you let them get their roots into a community, it's going to be a bloodbath digging them out. wonder what would have happened to these 97 people if this woman 
hadn't called the police to tip them off. This might have still been going on. Yeah. But fear not, folks. Our vice president, Kamala Harris, is on the job. What, 41, 42 days now? 42. Uh, No news conference. Really doesn't want to talk. Of course, the word crisis never mentioned. But she did tell folks yesterday how she plans to solve the border issues. Cut number one. This is a priority for our nation and a role that I take very seriously. The citizens of El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras are leaving their homes at alarming rates. They are suffering, they are in pain. Many are experiencing unimaginable anguish. And so we are focused on addressing both the acute factors and the root causes of migration. And I believe this is an important distinction. We must focus on both. I've also spoken with world leaders from Canada, Finland, Ireland, Japan, about partnering with us to help the Northern Triangle. Yeah, we're calling in Finland and Ireland to help us with the problem. Canada. Yeah, and Canada too. Canada's important too, Fred. But did you hear what she had to say? The problem is in these countries, it has nothing to do with our border being as porous as it is. And she went on to say, you ready for this? That part of the problem there that they're coming north is because of global warming. Now, she didn't say that. In, did she it, say it later on? Later on, yeah. Okay. yeah climate it's, change. Climate change. Yeah. Yeah. This, this Remember, is that's, that's a lot. That's what's, well, ISIS, the Islamic State, there there's not enough jobs over there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So remember, remember the um, the London the I London think it was, bombing. I think it was the Obama uh, State Department spokesperson said yes. that. Yes. Yes. Who now appears on Fox News? But but here's the here's the issue here, folks. It's it goes back to their mentality in the Biden administration that all problems can be solved with money and government. We're just going to write more <laughs> checks. We're going to send, but but less less people be deceived. The United States has been sending hundreds of millions of dollars every year, going back to the Bush administration, even during the Trump administration, have been sending hundreds of millions of dollars to these countries that she named for years, and it hasn't resolved things. But here's the solution by the Biden administration. Just keep writing more checks. Keep writing more checks, and that will do it. Well, in in a lot of these countries, there really are root problems foundational problems that underlie the poverty that is in Central and South America, okay? But to solve those problems, you don't just throw money at them because like money we send to the Middle East, to the Palestinian organizations, a lot of this money gets sucked up by the people in power, okay? They get the money because of the corruption that Walker talked about, There's corruption all through Latin America because of the way they've done business, because of their earlier history. Uh, You have problems with uneducated people, very few industries there, so it's hard to have jobs. I mean, these are really deep problems. And if you think just sending money down to these countries, and what are they called, the Golden Triangle, these three countries, Mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to solve it. You will be doing that forever. Yeah. And the, 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 the issue is how many do we let into the country, okay? That is, on our side of the border, that is the question. You can't just 
like Joe Biden has done when he was campaigning. Walker, you can't just say everyone who wants to come to this country can until we solve the problems in your nation. It's just right. not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, our, our entire system of government, our entire constitution is built on on justice and on on making sure people follow the rules so that everyone has it has their constitutional rights protected. But the I think one of the main issues with the Democrat Party is they fundamentally don't believe in sin. Well, if you don't believe in God and Scripture, then you don't believe in in natural in, in sin, and that every every person has the ability to sin. Every person is sinful. Then that's why they they try to fix everything with money and government, and they 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 think getting rid of police is going to help make communities safer. <laughs> Who are we kidding? Um, and so, if you don't believe, you know, in law and order, and in in keeping keeping people safe through law enforcement, um, then, then you're, you're totally missing out. And that, that's why they try to fix problems with money and government. And yeah, of course what, what, it never what, works. What other options do you have? Right. If you, if you can't correct our flaws through the gospel, yeah. then you have to do it externally. And that's mm-hmm. part of what our founders understood is that the only way a nation like ours could remain free and have the liberty that we want to have is for people to be restrained internally. Mm-hmm. And that comes through the gospel and through obedience to God's word. If you don't have people who restrain themselves, the government has to restrain them more and more. And that's why democracies and republics fail at some point because the government has to grow so large and so intrusive in order to keep order that liberties go out the window. Yeah, and, and and in this case with the Democrat Party, they they want to push order and rules, but on everyone except for themselves. Right. Because anytime you start talking about accountability, mm. especially within government, the Democrats they they freak out. They cannot handle that. You talk about voter ID. Yes. You talk about Perfect. stopping fraud. You talk about clamping down on on governmental fraud, on misspending. I mean. All these different things you talk about adding in accountability measures, they, they can't handle that. Yeah. But they're willing to clamp down and shut down your church. They'll be happy to do that. Right. Because why? People that go to church, people that love freedom, they threaten their power. Yeah. All right. We, is this uh, story complete? Do we move on yes. or we got anybody? Yes. Okay. We can move on. Uh, we've been expecting this announcement this morning. It did come in the last hour or so. A quasi, I'm reading from the Associated Press here. A quasi-independent oversight board of Facebook announced their decision this morning that they are going to continue the ban against former President Donald Trump. Uh, It's basically, they went on to criticize Facebook. It's a quasi-independent oversight board. They they criticized Facebook for not being more definitive in extending these bans. Why not just say, no, we're not going to let President Trump back on Facebook at all? Etc. Etc. All of this, of course, started in the wake of January 6th and the violence on the U.S. Capitol, Facebook, Twitter, uh, other platforms, the mainstream media all blame Trump for it. Right. And uh, and so they're going to continue this ban. But we know, uh, and there's plenty of evidence. We've talked about it on this program. Just like the mainstream media, these tech platforms are anti-Trump. Right. It didn't. What I heard this morning didn't shock me at all. 
that they were going to continue this ban against president. They don't like President Trump, and they don't like his followers. That's the bottom line in all of this. And to that point, we got reaction this morning from Louisiana Senator John Kennedy uh, to Facebook's decision to continue the ban against uh, former President Trump. Cut eight. I'm not saying that Facebook's politics are right or wrong. I'm saying they shouldn't have politics. Uh, and the only way to, uh, to, to get this straight is to either properly regulate them or break them up. Okay. The fact is everybody knows their politics is to the left and that they act on it. And that has nothing to do with Trump or Senator Sanders. Uh, that's just wrong. Now, uh, I guess it was yesterday, late yesterday, President Trump did announce that he is creating his own platform. And uh, we'll see how all of that goes. But to Senator Kennedy's point, and there are some Democrats and many Republicans who say that these huge platforms need to be broken up. And it goes back to, is it 230? Uh, Section 230. Section so they two, have special protections. Special protections. They have so much. One thing we've learned from this, these social media companies have huge amounts of power to decide what is acceptable speech out there. And when you build political bias into their decisions, that's very dangerous for the country. I, you know, I, I talk to people all the time. Where do you get your information? I get it from Twitter. Mm -hmm. I yeah. get it from Facebook. So if you're blocking one side of the story consistently right. and spinning the other side to be the positive answer to everything, that shapes worldviews. So this is something very critical. Well, yeah. listen, uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, they're going to, what's coming, they're going to, uh, the, the consequences of their actions are going to fall squarely on their own shoulders, Walker, because what President Trump has announced, and I don't know the details of his his platform, but there are other platforms now that are going to gather power and gather followers, and Facebook and Twitter, and maybe to some extent YouTube, they are going to split the country into further, yeah. into warring factions who now have entirely separate social media platforms. Yeah. And this is going to be laid at the feet of Twitter and Facebook because they did this. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when, when they decided that instead of just regulating illegal content, what is clearly illegal by, by definition by the law, when they when you go beyond that and you start, and, and, and with the exception of, of pornography and other obscene material, um, you get beyond regulating that and you start getting into political speech and opinions and start banning that, that is a road that, it, that will never end. Because there's always something that somebody else disagrees with. So when they started going down that path and started setting up these moderators that all their job is to cancel right-wing speech, conservative speech, uh, that's where they took the, took the wrong path here. And there there are alternatives. And, and actually, Facebook, they've been losing uh, users, Facebook and Twitter. Twitter's not what it once was. Um, it's been going downhill for the past several years. Um, but there's a, a three that I think of. There's Parler. There is Gab.com, and there's this uh, platform called CloudHub. And those three have hundreds of thousands of users already. Uh, so I think people will continue to flee Facebook and Twitter and YouTube going to these alternative uh, platforms. And we could get to a day in maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now where Facebook and these massive companies are no longer what they once were, mm. mainly because of this decision they made. Yeah.
All right, folks, we're going to take a uh, couple of minutes for a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Abraham Hamilton III will be joining us. And uh, Fred, what are we going to be talking with uh, Abe about? Well, some questions are being raised about one of the jurors in the Derek Chauvin, he being the police officer in Minneapolis convicted of murder just a couple of weeks ago. Questions are being raised. Did one of the jurors falsely answer a questionnaire that was given him prior to the trial? All right, folks, that'll be right after the break. Make sure you join us. Next time on Today's Issues, our guest will be Abraham Hamilton III. Our Lord and King has graced us with another week, another opportunity to serve him. What a privilege it is. It is also a privilege to be alive right now. We'll also have news headlines and analysis from American Family News. Don't miss the next Today's Issues, weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio and on Facebook. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Facebook says former President Trump will not be allowed to return to Facebook, banned until further notice. That's according to the social media giant's oversight board. Twitter says the former president is banned for life from their platform. Now, Facebook said there had not been a change of heart and mind about the outcome of the 2020 presidential election, and that's why they refused to lift the ban. Over the past four years, the social media giants have waged a fierce campaign to cleanse their platforms of the most vocal conservatives. Anyone who has an opinion that differs from Facebook and Twitter are targets. Even yours truly has been punished for sharing, of all things, a Bible verse. Facebook has made it clear that conservatives, Christians, and anyone who wants to make America great again violate their community standards. But let's be honest, who wants to be a part of a community like that? I'm Todd Starnes. God is my strength and power, and He maketh my way perfect. 2 Samuel 22:33. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. 
Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. Joined in studio by Walker Wildman and Fred Jackson, news director for OneNewsNow.com. Fred, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, One News Now and uh, why people ought to sign up for it, where they go to do it. All right. One News Now is the web presence of American Family Radio News. You hear our newscasts at the top of the hour throughout the day. And we have a website that kind of comes along and matches the content from our radio newscast and, and goes beyond what we can we have four and a half minutes per newscast. So we have the flexibility in our stories on our website uh, to go into much more detail, much more reaction to uh, the major stories of the day. So onenewsnow.com is the place to go. Now, on that site, if you look over to the right-hand side, the upper right-hand side, there's an opportunity for you to sign up for a daily email. And what is that all about? Well, we send you a daily summary of our major top stories. We'll send that to your email account. And uh, we'll only email you once a day, Monday through Friday, with that summary of news there. Uh, we will not sell your email to anyone else. We will not pester you. We are just wanting to get that information out. It is a great source you're a homeschooler, you're a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, or you just want a nice, succinct summary of the big stories of the day to read from a Christian perspective, you'll get that in your email box. Just go there, put your uh, email in there, and you'll start getting those daily summaries Monday through Friday. All right. Thank you, Fred. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to welcome to the program uh, someone we always enjoy having on, one of our most popular Talk show host, Abraham Hamilton III, who's general counsel and public policy analyst for AFA. He is host of the Hamilton Corner, heard weekdays at 5 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Uh, Abe, uh, welcome back. Thank you, Ed. How you doing? Thank you, Fred. How are you as well? Doing well for an old fellow. And I think Walker's in studio too, right? Yes, yes sir. He I'm is. here, Abe. Hey, Walker, Abe is how are you doing, man? From a uh, good, man. An, an undisclosed bunker <laughs> somewhere in a safe place. <laughs> hey, Fred, well, what is it? We we have a really big, uh, pretty pretty important issue to discuss with Abe. Uh, what's uh, pitch it to him and let's get his take on it. Well, I think as most of our listeners are aware, just in the last couple of weeks, the police officer in Minneapolis, uh, Derek Chauvin, convicted of murder in the death of George Floyd. Now, uh, the, the story that's been developing over the last 24 hours is that one of the jurors who convicted uh, former officer Chauvin, his name, the juror's name is Brandon Mitchell. He's 31 years old. He's a black man. And uh, a photo has appeared of him wearing a T-shirt uh, emblazoned with the picture of Martin Luther King Jr. And the phrase is, quote, get your knee off our neck and BLM, which, of course, stands for Black Lives Matter. And he's wearing a Black My Matter Lives Matter hat in that photo. Now, the reason that uh, picture is raising questions is that I guess, Abe, you're more familiar with the court system than certainly I am. Prospective jurors are often given questionnaires, I guess, by both the prosecution and the defense lawyer to try to weed out pre-trial bias. In this case, uh, each juror 
uh, was given a questionnaire. One of those questionnaire, one of the questions on that questionnaire was, quote, did you or someone close to you participate in any of the demonstrations or marches against police brutality that took place in Minneapolis after George Floyd's death? That was one question. Now, another question said, other than what you have already described above, have you or anyone close to you participated in protests about police use of force or police brutality? Now, the lawyer for former officer Derek Chauvin announced yesterday he is appealing the murder conviction. And one of the reasons he's giving in his appeal, he believes this juror, Brandon Mitchell, lied when he said he didn't participate in any demonstrations, etc., etc. So I guess uh, the question to Abe is going to be, how much weight do these questionnaires carry? Now, he's arguing, Mr. Mitchell is arguing, he went to a Martin Luther King celebration down in Washington, D.C. last summer. All right? He doesn't believe that connects him in any way to a bias against Derek Chauvin. The argument, of course, against him now is that the T-shirt he was wearing and the hat he was wearing certainly indicate, uh, especially with the logo, get your knee off of our neck on that T-shirt and BLM, that somehow that represents a bias that he should have disclosed to the court. Now, apparently the judge, if he hasn't already, is going to have a conversation uh, with Mr. Mitchell. So, Abe... There it is. There's the story this morning. Your thoughts. Yeah, and, and let me just jump in just real quickly. For those who don't know much about Abe, uh, he was a former prosecutor in the prosecutor's office in both Houston, Texas, and New Orleans, Louisiana. So when we're asking him, he's not only a constitutional attorney, but he does have experience in this particular area. So go, go ahead, Abe. Yeah, so... The issue that's being presented, and when when you have cases like this with convictions, when there are appeals filed, it's pretty uh, routine for appeals to be filed um, in cases like this. Uh, for re the reality is that you have people who file appeals; they often throw everything that they think remotely could grab a judge's attention in the appellate process. So the question that Chauvin's attorney is going to be attempting to demonstrate is that this juror lied. Um, it, I think it, it's going to be a challenge for him to say that the attendance to the to the rally in Washington, D.C. is synonymous with marching against police brutality in Minneapolis, which was the first question. And then the second question you referred to, Fred, was any protest about police force or use of force. Uh, as you mentioned, Mitchell is saying that he went to D.C. in celebration of the Martin Luther King I Have a Dream speech. Not not anything pertaining to use of force. Your reference to the judge speaking to Mr. Mitchell, the, the judge can't just talk to him. Just hey, I want to talk to you. It would have to be in within the scope of the appellate process. So there's going to have to be enough information articulated in the appeal to that would mandate the judge not mandate, but that would lead the judge to, to do this as a part of the official query related to the appellate process. And then uh, with that, the question will, the question will then be, uh, is that sufficient to prove that the, the verdict rendered in the case was not based on the evidence presented at trial? Uh, 
So even with that being presented as a potential issue, there's still going to be the hurdle of uh, navigating whether or not the, the this juror in particular and the jury as a whole, whether or not their their verdict uh, was sufficiently supported by the facts and evidence elicited, elicited at trial. Uh, I, I, so it, it's still going to be a significant obstacle. And, and frankly, I don't see this as an issue that will result in an overturning uh, of the conviction and the granting of a new trial. Abe, let me ask you this. If, if from what I understand you saying there, bias, if, if a juror happens to get through the selection process with bias that's basically not uncovered during the selection process, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily affect the jury's ruling, final ruling? Not automatically is what I'm saying. It's not automatically because the reality is we're human beings. All human beings have biases. Right. The question is whether or not the biases are so significant that they prohibit the juror from objectively evaluating the facts and evidence presented at trial and whether or not that results in an impact on the juror's deliberation and ultimate verdict. So, so for example, you have cases, and this happened in almost every one of my cases, uh, defense attorneys would try to present jurors who seem to be uh, to have a high view of police officers. And so the, the juror, the, 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 the opposing attorney would try to say, well, do you think police officers automatically telling truth no matter what in every circumstance? Mm. And you had some people who would say yes, you know. And so in that instance, uh, sometimes you would have a successful motion for cause or a peremptory strike applied to that particular juror. Oftentimes what you will have is a juror who will say, well, yeah, I, I hold police officers in high regard, uh, but I know that police officers are human beings. And so I will listen objectively to the facts and evidence at trial and make my determination based on what is presented at trial, not my view of police officers and in, in isolation from what's evidence is presented at trial. So oftentimes that would be viewed, that juror would be then viewed as rehabilitated in the sight of the court, where it's clear that the, the juror has a bias in favor of police officers. Uh, but the juror has articulated that that bias is not going to prohibit them from being an objective determiner and evaluator of the evidence at trial. Uh Mr. Mitchell, you know, the questions that were asked were about did he attend protests? And he's saying he didn't, and there's no evidence that he attended anti-police protests. Mm. But how big an issue might uh, Officer Chauvin's lawyer make of the fact that at this Martin Luther King rally last year, he was wearing a T-shirt that said, get your knee off our neck. Now, everybody knows that is a phrase that emanated from the incident involving George Floyd mm-hmm. is, is, do you think that's strong enough to at least raise questions about his pretrial bias? Mm, I mean, the question will be raised. Uh, obviously the attorney has articulated he's, he's going to file the appeal. So the question will be raised. I think the, the, the question following the raising of the question is, will it be significant enough to persuade a judge to grant a motion for new trial? And I, I just I frankly don't see that because you have a lot of additional hurdles you have to make. Right. Surely. I think I think the, I think that the key here is the the uh, the attorney for Chauvin for the for the for the for the, for the officer who was convicted. The 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 key thing for him to prove is that the jury in, the individual who was on the jury that we're talking about the subject of this story. He intentionally misled the uh, ju- misled both attorneys 
and the judge during the selection process. I think I think that that's the key to the whole the whole story. Am I, am I right, Abe? If if if, yeah. if if the if the jury member genuinely believed that he had not participated in any event that would affect his decision making, then then he he obviously was telling the truth. But if he knew in the back of his mind that hey, I have attended events that are questionable, but he went ahead and told him that he hadn't, I think that gets to the that's basically the root of the story. Right. And, and what you're what you're getting to is getting pretty close to whether or not this juror perjured himself. You know, that that ultimately is what's going to have to be navigated, whether or not the juror. Uh, and, and and let me go back. So the questionnaires are not presented by the attorneys. The, the court presents the questionnaires. The attorneys get the opportunity to question these jurors live and in person. And uh, that questioning is recorded. It's a part. It becomes a part of the transcript for the entire trial. So there's a stenographer present that records all of their responses. And so the the what the issue that the, the judge is going to have is going to going to address is whether or not this juror intentionally misled both attorneys and the court in the jury selection process and whether or not that intentional misleading resulted in a tainting of the jury sufficiently to require a new trial. And and uh, last question on on this uh uh, Abe, um, the, the the attorneys do for Chauvin is is doing his job. I mean, this is right. this is the job of the attorney is to do whatever he can to get his client uh, off the hook. I mean, right? That's I mean. So the fact that the attorney is saying we are going to uh, request a new trial, we're going to focus on Brandon Mitchell, this juror, uh, doesn't necessarily mean the evidence will be sufficient to accomplish that goal. Right. Right. That's exactly right. That, that, and that is what his job is. His job is to vigorously advocate for his client. And so that's what he's trying to do. Now, the question that still remains is whether or not this advocacy will result in the outcome that, that he's hoping for. And so that remains to be seen. All right. Uh, Abe, uh, I know you uh, work uh, in preparation for your program Uh, all during the day, so you may not be able to give a little bit of a tease for your show tonight, but do you have uh, a topic in mind uh, already, or are you still working on that? I'm still working on it. I haven't narrowed it down just yet. Okay. All right. Uh, Abe, thank you so much for being on with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And uh, if you want to listen to more of Abraham Hamilton III, again, he's AFA General Counsel, Public Policy Analyst, but he's the very popular host of the program, The Hamilton Corner. You'll be able to hear that tonight at 5.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio, just like you can Monday through Friday of a normal and typical week. You'll be able to catch Abe on at that time. All right, uh, Fred, what else we got news-wise? All right. Uh, We may remember um, last year, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York uh, has come under fire for a decision that he made to knowingly send COVID-positive elderly people uh, into nursing homes and resulted in a high number of deaths in nursing homes in the state of New York. He is under investigation uh, by his Justice Department there. That investigation is ongoing. He denies he did anything wrong. In fact, in recent days, He has blamed President Trump. I'm not sure how President Trump is at fault for a decision that governor made, but who knows? He's a politician. But what I'm going to play for you 
is that uh, yesterday or the day before, Governor Cuomo, in a news conference, giving people an update on COVID-19 efforts in his state, is really encouraging young people in that state to get the vaccination. Now, I want you to listen what he said was one of the reasons young people should get for getting vaccinations, because he said he's worried that these young people, if they don't get the vaccination, they'll end up kissing their grandparent, and that could endanger the grandparent. Do you see the irony in all of that? I sure do, Fred. All right. So you're going to hear from uh, Governor Cuomo, but then you're going to hear reaction to what the governor had to say from Joe Concha of The Hill, cut number three. There is an attitude that they'll be fine. Why should they take the vaccine? Maybe you go home and kiss your grandmother and wind up killing your grandmother. Chutzpah, right? It's the only word that comes to mind. How many grandparents did Andrew Cuomo kill when he decided to put COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes? Even a 10-year-old knows that you don't do that in that situation. When he had the USS Comfort, when he had the Javits Center that the Trump administration had given him, and he decided to go ahead with the nursing homes. And then worse was the cover-up that his own aides have admitted to was done in order to get a book deal. Yeah, and, and the governor, he is defiant. He said, I did nothing wrong. He says, I'm not going to resign. Now, of course, this controversy is on top of the other controversy he's facing with five, six women who have accused yeah. him of sexually inappropriate behavior. Yeah, see, here's the, the fundamental problem with this entire narrative that's being pushed by Cuomo there and others is – the core question is, is it the responsibility of government to regulate an individual's private activity and to what extent? Because typically it's been <clears throat> things like public transportation, uh, you know, wear your seatbelt, uh, protecting, making sure your child is in a is in, the, is in their car seat, you know, these common sense things that everyone goes, yeah, sure, that's a great idea. We need to protect individuals. But is it the responsibility of government to make sure that your grandmother doesn't get sick? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And also, these risks, these, quote, risks, have existed since humanity was created back in Genesis after sin. sin. Sin entered the world, so came illness and sickness. And there's inherent risk with everything. There's You can get high cholesterol from eating too, many, too much red meat. You know, you can, you, can, you can die driving to the airport because some, an 18-wheeler T-bones you at a, at a red light, and they didn't stop. I mean, there's risk in it with every aspect of life. Virtually, there's even risk with staying at home all day. <laughs> right. There's as, risk as we're, there. as we're finding out. Yeah. Through the pandemic. And so it's it's you have to understand, and that that's what these 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 uh, uh, governmental officials don't fundamentally believe in and understand is that at cer- at a certain point, it's not the responsibility of government to babysit everybody. Figure out your own. Learn how to how to manage yourself and and use common sense and personal responsibility, and that's what that's what Cuomo doesn't understand there. Well, I I think that uh, you know part of the issue here is that you have the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, which is just about swallowed up the whole party, that believes that government should 
decide all these issues, right? Like like Walker is talking about. Um, and and listen, I will I will say this: when when I was uh, on I was on the debate team four years in high school, three years in college. One of those years somewhere, I think it was in college. One of the issues was about this very thing. It was about consumer product safety. And at that time, it was not a law that uh, cars should have uh, airbags. That was still being decided. So it was one of the issues we debated that. It's hard for us to imagine back then. I I can remember growing up when not every car had seatbelts, didn't have seatbelts in it, let alone you had to wear it or you could get a ticket. So there have been there have been some of these intrusions into personal liberty. I think where the government required all cars to have seatbelts and all people to wear them, and uh, helmets on motorcycles and airbags. Where we look back and we go, yeah, that was probably good. That was probably wise. So the question is, where do you stop? Right. Where do you stop if you're and, the government? And, and did those measures in, in in infringe on anyone's individual liberty or constitutional rights? Right. And strapping a piece of, of 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 material over your chest when you drive down the road, in my opinion, does not violate any any constitutional or, or rights. Right. Um, but when you're talking about I can't see my grandmother because hypothetically I could possibly right. <laughs> give her an illness, you know, that that's insane. And also my my whole theory about, you know, the whole quarantining and everything. They say, well, if, you know, if you've come in contact, you need to go home for 14 days. Well, what if I came in contact with somebody at Walmart and y'all don't know it? That's a possibility. How far are you going to track? The, 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 the thing is that this logic that they're applying to all these COVID regulations, they're really full. They're not foolproof. They're not, they're not perfect. There's, and, there's and there holes is, in all of them. And there is no stopping place. Right. So I, I, here, here's the thing. I believe, I'm not saying this about all progressives. But I think there's a substantial percentage of progressives that would have said, oh, I want to know who you came in contact with at Walmart. We're going to go track them, and then we're going to track whoever they came in contact with, all in the name of public safety. And don't kid yourself, there are a substantial number of progressives who would, if they thought they could get away with it, Mm -hmm. tell you, you eat too much red meat, that is going to increase your odds of getting heart disease later in life. We're going to limit it. Yes, they're We're, wanting to seriously wanting to do that. They would want to tell you you have to go to the gym. You have to for the same reasons of public safety right. that we're getting with COVID. They would do it if they could get away with or it. Or we won't cover your health insurance unless you change your diet. Right, yeah. you won't get health insurance. If you think yeah. they're not they're not trying to find ways to do that, you're you're kidding yourself. Because when we call it the nanny state, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what this is. Yeah, and that's why that's why people are are, are applauding governors like Governor DeSantis. Who are saying, look, if you're afraid of some, if you're afraid of COVID or whatever you're afraid of, if you're afraid of driving down the road, you don't have to drive. Nobody's going to force you to drive. Nobody's going to force you to go to a crowded theater, you know, and possibly get COVID or another illness. So if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But for the people who aren't scared, who just want to live their life like they did before COVID, we're going to let them do that. Let them make up their own decision. And that's why people like Governor DeSantis are being applauded. Right. All right, you got a couple of minutes, Fred. You got anything you can fill All that right. gap with? I'm going to give the response to this story before I tell the story. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Here's the response from a lot of people. It could never happen here. All right? We're going to take you to Finland for this story. A Finnish member of parliament 
Her name is Pavi Ras Rasinanit. All right. Finnish member of parliament. She is a born again believer. She is facing the possibility of prison time. What did she do? She spoke out in favor of the biblical definition of marriage. She said marriage should only be between a man and a woman. Okay? That's that's one thing. She's also spoken out in favor. Uh, she's a pro-life person. She's spoken out against abortion. And for that now, she is facing charges. Hate speech. They call that hate speech. Now, when we talk to people in this country about the Equality Act, that's one of the concerns that we have coming here. Like I say, some people are going to say, oh, that's Europe. You're a bunch of crazies over there. Right. That could never happen here. Look at the stuff that's happening on our political agenda in this country now, folks. This all started in Europe. A lot of these things that we're now facing. You, ta- you talk to Baronel Stutzman, the florist, the, the Southern Baptist florist in Washington State, who's been shut down because she wouldn't provide flowers for a homosexual wedding. Right. The same kind of political thinking that we're now seeing in Europe, and this dear lady, she's a grandmother, she's a wonderful Christian woman, she's spoken out against her own denomination, the Lutherans, because they've gone very liberal. Right. She spoke out about a gay pride parade. For all of that, they're now looking at hate speech charges. And, and yes. this isn't just a this isn't just a lawsuit she's facing. These these are criminal charges. Criminal charges. Yeah, this this is similar to another topic about what Ed's talking about about how far do you go with public safety? Mm. Well, the left the question for the left is how far do you go with people who you disagree with? Yes. What what should the government do to people that are going against what is the the accepted position on a certain issue? Yes. And yep. the, the position for some is to put them in jail. Yep. Right. All right, folks, we're going to take a five-minute break for news. And when we come back, Steve Jordahl, also a reporter for OneNewsNow.com, will be with us. And we will discuss more of what's happening both here and abroad. From a Christian perspective, you're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network, Back in Five. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.